0: Hello again we've been looking at the uh, foundation of ideas and principles that we build our lives on uh, it, it's this happens we don't see it but it's going on we're, we're building a, a, a fund a foundation of ideas and principles that we buy into and then life is built on that and it's it's best if it's not a random assortment of things it's best if it has been proven and tested, the ideas that we buy into, the principles that we build our lives on, that's, that's what makes a difference. So we've been looking at something Jesus said to us, uh, because of out of this foundation, we, we develop our self-image, it's where it comes, it's either healthy or not, based on the ideas we buy into about ourselves, about life. We build our families, we, our marriages, our approach to parenting. The way we handle our friendships grows off, it grows on top of this foundation, and it's greatly impacted by that. Our friendships are either good or they're filled with trouble because of the ideas, the principles that we build on, on how life works, how it fits together. Same with our careers. We build our careers, or maybe if you're a business person, uh oh, looks okay. It's a guitar. It looks all right. I don't think it got hurt. That's a good thing. Um, but we, we it's the same with our careers. We build on a foundation of ideas and principles and according to how we think life works. How, how does it fit together? What's going to make my business life really good and successful? How is it going to take me to uh, be happy in it? That starts with school. You find in Scripture ideas and principles For approaching school in a way that really brings uh, help over the long haul. And same with ministry. Follow Christ. He wants you to serve, he wants you to be a blessing to people. And we build on a foundation of these ideas. It's, It's a crucial part of our lives that we can't see, but it shows up in our words and in our actions, and the way that we approach the circumstances and situations that flow by us. Jesus showed us where to find the ideas. This is the theme that we're building this series on. He he showed us where to find the ideas that are proven, tested, and a rock-solid foundation for us. Look at Luke 6. It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So Jesus is saying this. What he's saying is the key issue for my stability and success in life is, will I place my confidence in the Bible as God's word to be my guide? Am I going to build on Scripture? And that's what it means to follow Christ. If you decide to follow Christ, it means you're deciding to listen to His Word, figure out what it means, try to understand it, and then do it and put it into practice. That's that's what it means to build on that foundation. This is crucial uh, to understand. It's, it's, It's a core part of life because Every idea, every principle that we buy into, translates into action steps that take us down a path. It's either a solid, stable path, taking us toward happiness, which is what we all want, right? I mean, we all want to be happy. If You're a good parent, you just want your kids to be happy. This is, this is where we're wanting to end up. But it's either that path toward happiness, solid, stable, or it's very slippery, unstable, full of potholes and problems. A path full of unnecessary heartache as well. Thoughts, ideas, principles, they turn into actions that take us to a destination. Happiness or heartache in the end. God's Word, the Bible... Reveals the solid path to happiness. That's what it does. We're going to look at Psalm 1 this morning. One of the very first passages I ever memorized. One of my favorites. And it's chock full of good stuff. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through it and we're going to pull out the things that God is is trying to tell us through it. But happiness really, isn't it? It's what we all want. We all want happiness. And that's where the psalm starts. blessed. 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 It's in the plural. Blessednesses. The the man that is being described, the person that's being described in this psalm is the person who has a whole truckload of happiness. Now, Disney's marketing is brilliant, isn't it? It's a destination. They, They want it to be a destination. And what do they call it? The happiest place on earth. That strikes a chord in us. We want to be happy. When they add attractions, what do they say? Disneyland just got happier. I mean, you know, if you think it was good before, it just got a whole lot happier. (laughs) Because, and I hear it's pretty cool, okay? There's some pretty cool things there now I'm missing out on. And I want to go. Because I, too, I want to be happy. I want to go to the happiest place on earth. Now, at that place, I've seen some pretty miserable people, but that's beside the point. Now, back to Psalm 1. (laughs) The Bible gives us direction for finding happiness by the truckload in the real world. Very counterintuitive, but here's where we find it. It says, blessed, blessednesses are there for the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, there's a progression to the people that are being described here. The wicked are the ungodly. They don't factor God into their lives at all. They just don't, they don't factor Him into their thinking. They don't factor Him into the choices they make. So, blessed is the person who doesn't walk in the counsel of those folks. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Now, these folks, they're not, they're not just leaving God out of their thinking. They're aggressively... Busting through the boundaries for life that God set up. They they are not just leaving God out, but they're they're taking action that misses the mark. It transgresses the law that God's laid out, the principles that God has given us for living, and the laws that He's provided that make life good. The boundaries, the laws are the boundaries. This person's busting through them. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now this is this is really bad because scoffers are mocking god they're mocking they're they're mocking him his law and his ways they mock his people who do his law and live his way you see the progression in this passage they don't factor god into life they break through his boundaries they mock his law and his ways You don't stand still spiritually. That's the lesson from that. You just don't stand still spiritually. You're either moving forward on the path toward happiness the way God directs, or you're moving on another path. There's only two ways. You, You just don't stand still. Let's continue reading. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. Is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Literally, in the Hebrew, that word means—this is originally written in Hebrew—it means to push forward. And there's a bias in Scripture toward making progress toward the right goals. If if you walk with the Lord and you're trying to live His way, you choose the right goals the right things that you want to accomplish with your And there's a bias. There's this help that you get in Scripture to keep toward those things, toward the right goals. There's real help there for that. And that's what it means. To prosper here means you push forward. You keep... So, uh, in your self-image, you keep making progress and understanding more about yourself. And... Your family life, you're making the right kind of progress toward the goals there. Your marriage is getting better and better because you're moving toward the right goals. Same with career, uh, ministry, everything that's going on. You're making the right kind of progress toward the right kind of goals. That's what it means to prosper in this sense. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the psalmist points to our final destination, which is the judgment of God. Scripture tells us we're all going to stand before God one day, and we're going to answer to Him for the way we've lived our life, for basically primarily what we decided to do with whether or not we're following Jesus Christ, but we're going to answer for our entire lives. We don't like to think about that. That sort of makes us shudder. But the psalmist is taking us to our final destination because if you start there, you can back up and begin with that end in mind and make the right choices all along. What does he say? The righteous and their way is going to stand in that day. And if you follow Jesus Christ, it's not your own righteousness, it's His. You have to, you have, to have His. Because none of us are righteous, the scripture says, but he gives us his graciously. the righteous and their works that flow out of that will stand, but the works of the wicked will perish. Poof, it all goes away. So the psalmist, in a very skillful way this is this is thought to be an introduction to the entire book of psalms, in a very skillful way is showing us that the Bible will lead us to that destination, our final destination, and we will we'll have a blessed outcome there. That's what he's showing us. Psalm 1 shows us also that happiness grows basically when we do two things. First of all, reject faulty principles and choices. Psalm 1 starts with a negative, ne- negative. Negative? Negative. It starts with the negative, not the positive. We don't like that in America. We'd rather be positive all the time. Uh, that would be my preference as well, because I'm American. But what can I say? We don't, we don't like starting with the negative. It starts there. We'd rather start with a positive and stay there. But this is the way life really works. If you're going to head down the right path, if you're going to head the right direction in life, you have to get past the negative. To get there. Here's a quote. It's on the screen from John Phillips who wrote a book about the Psalms. He said, a blessed man avoids certain things in life which make it impossible for happiness to flourish because they're poisonous, destructive, and counterproductive. That's true. That's what it takes to keep moving down the right path. We have to avoid the things that are going to destroy us. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. How you respond to God's word is taking you down a path. It's taking you down a path of blessing where you're going to experience happiness and joy from God himself, or a path where you're not, a path of cursing, a path of trouble, path of thorns and we have trouble and thorns in life anyway but as you follow the 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 word of God and learn to let God give you the power to do it you limit the thorns and the trouble and the and the problems and you're able to make the right kind of progress on that path it's the way it works we, we tend to think that the principles that we buy into just sort of hover around in, some kind, in our brain somewhere, you know, imaginary hovering. They just kind of hover, and they're hanging out there. But what happens, actually, the things that we mull over again and again and again, the things we think about plant themselves in us. And if we don't reject the wrong ones, they begin to grow into words and actions. They, they, they show up in the way we live our lives. So, the way we avoid going down the wrong path, the way that we avoid the counsel of these folks that are mentioned here is laid out in Psalm 119. And you store the Word of God in your heart and you use it when you need to. That's how to avoid it. That's what you find out. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek thee. Let, let me not wander from your commandments. I have laid up thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God, we, we're to get it in our hearts, we're to store it up in our hearts and minds, we're to remember it, to memorize it, to think about it. And what happens is the more that we allow God's Word to change our mind and change our thinking, the way that we look at life, it becomes like insulation that insulates us from the counsel of the wicked, from the guidance that the sinners are going to give and the, uh, the, the things that the mockers tend to say and do. So it sort of becomes like an insulation. You know, you need insulation when you're going to deal with electricity. Like we have cords running all over here. Thankfully, they're insulated. Because if you grab a cord that doesn't have any insulation on it, you're going to get shocked. I mean, it, it, it can hurt. It can hurt you. It can actually damage your heart. It can damage your heart and create deep burns in you if, you're, if you just get exposed to electricity. I've just been exposed to little bits. It doesn't feel good. It's kind of weird. It hurts. When we memorize God's Word and store it in us, it insulates us from wrong thinking. We've got to use it for that to be the case, but that's the intent. That's what what the Scripture tells us to do. Um, Once you decide to follow Christ, what happens is you gain an enemy, Satan. And uh, he tries to chip away at the foundation the ideas and principles of, of the Lord that we're to build our lives on. He, he wants to chip away at it. He wants to weaken places in the foundation. And then he wants to, as we're building on that foundation, he wants to lead us toward a slippery and very unstable path. One way he does this, he creates a count, a confidence about the foundation. He, he creates a lack of confidence. We talked about confidence in it, and that's what it takes to build on it, and what he does is he chips away at our confidence, and you hear this in the world at large all the time, how the Bible lacks credibility, how it doesn't match up with science, just heard someone have a conversation with uh, a a lady uh, yesterday, who, she just, well, you know, I don't believe it, because the Bible doesn't match with science, it just doesn't, well, actually, if you get into it, it does, more and more. There's some real evidence that it's all lining up, but you hear this from the mockers, from the wicked, the people that don't factor God into their life. This is what you hear, and the enemy supercharges those things, and he wants to keep these ideas swirling in your mind and just under the surface so you don't really buy into God's word, the Bible. So it just sort of hovers around and you never make a decision. Am I going to do it or am I not? Well, I don't know if I can really trust it. What is right to do in a given situation and to build your life on many times is so counterintuitive to our normal default way of thinking that we have a real hard time building on it. The enemy, our normal default way of thinking is called the flesh in the Bible living in the flesh. Once you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life, and He lives in you. That's what the Bible says. If you've come to Christ, you know this is true. You you know He's there. (laughs) Because you're, you're experiencing things you haven't experienced before. The flesh doesn't leave. It's still there as well. Our old, normal, default way of thinking. Because to deal with it, I think one of the reasons to deal with it, God would have to just Wipe us out. He doesn't want to do that. He's gracious. He's very kind. And he's letting us uh, learn to walk with him and follow the ways of God and his spirit and grow stronger in that. But It's this normal default way of thinking that the, the enemy, Satan, supercharges in our life to weaken the foundation and he adds to it the common wisdom in the world at large and we end up in a heap of trouble. It gets us way off track. If you're trying to follow Christ, it's a battle. Because you just just began to deal with this enemy. If you don't know that, it's discouraging. If you don't realize that you're trying to follow Christ and it's going to be a battle, then you think something's wrong with you. No, actually, the the more heated the battle, the more you're probably walking in the way God wants you to walk. So anyway, his goal, the enemy's goal, is to distract us. To focus on ourselves, what we think, on the least important thing or the lesser things. And what all this means is, walking down the right path is a fight. It is a battle. So, in Ephesians 6, you find a list of the armor that God's provided. And I'd like to just read uh, a portion of that. Here's some of the armor that God's provided for us to use. Ephesians 6, 16 through 17. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I don't have time to go through all those pieces right there, but they're very helpful. This is, this is a picture of a spiritual reality that we can use to win the battles that we're facing. But here's how it applies here. Something that really helps me is to identify the wrong ways of thinking, the destructive ways of thinking that are swirling in my mind and memorize verses, soak in the Scripture... That are going to help me focus on the truth. On the right foundation of thinking. And then God uses that whole process as I rely on Him to set me free from the impact of thought patterns. As I learn to battle them. The way it is, God wants to strengthen us in this battle. The enemy intends to take us down. But God wants to strengthen us in it. Here's an example. The Last week or so. I've been listening to biography on Hudson Taylor, uh, who was a missionary to China. He's an innovator. Very, This man had a very deep burden for the country of China, and he paid a very high price to take the gospel to China. Uh, he was an in, very innovative. He pioneered the work of taking the gospel to inland China, all the provinces, and he carried a tremendous level of responsibility. He had a big weight on his shoulders. All kinds of details. All pe- Missionaries were working under him. People were trying to share the gospel under him. He had to provide for them. He was walking by faith and trusting God to give him everything he needs. And um, People used to comment, Here, here's this man bearing this load of responsibility and when you watch him work there's this calm. There's a tremendous amount of calm and focus on what was right there in front of him, whatever it was he was dealing with. In spite of the weight of responsibilities, wondering how it's all going to turn out, he had this calm. And in a sermon, I'm listening to this, people describing him and how he was, and in a sermon he quoted this verse, and it uncovered the key to his calm and, and focus. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. It's actually referring to Jesus. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Now, that's the phrase that got me. God used that to speak to me because what he's saying is, me, I can get attacked by haste. If I have a massive to-do list, which I almost do every day, I go to bed every night with more to do. If I have a lot of responsibilities weighing on me, I am so tempted to get in a hurry. I get in a hurry, I get agitated inside, and I'm worried about how this is all going to come together, and I lose my focus on what is right in front of me. That, all of that robs me of my focus and my happiness, to say the least, of what's going on. It eats away at my ability to be in the moment to be enjoying or focusing or, or working to accomplish what I need to right now. This verse, whoever believes will not be in haste. What it's saying is people who choose faith in God don't get into haste because they're trusting God to give them what they need in this moment and in the moment in the future when they will need it. They're just walking by faith, trusting God to provide everything that they need. And that just broke open my thinking on this. And it was something I'd been struggling with, this tendency toward haste that robs me of the moment. And and the enemy, wants, he wants us to get all worked up about this stuff. He wants us to get worked up about the future. He wants to create anxiety over whether or not We can handle it, or whether or not it's going to turn out the way that we want, whether or not life's going to come together, and that itself robs us of our happiness in the present. It robs us of our ability to do the best we can. So I'm memorizing that passage. Whoever believes will not be in haste. I need that. I need that insulation to help me get past the negative stuff that keeps dragging me down. I need the truth to build my life on. So that's the way life works. We we have to reject the faulty principles and the choices and then deliberately digest the truth. That's that's actually the idea of meditation. You you digest it. You bring it in. You mull it over. You think it through. Psalm 1-2 says, you don't listen to those guys, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, He meditates day and night. Here's the definition of the Hebrew word for meditate. It means to murmur. To to murmur the words over and over again. So you're trying to understand them. You know how you're trying to figure something out and you're mouthing the words. and "Hmm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Implication, it means to ponder. It's translated, imagine, meditate, mourn, mutter, Imagine. I like that. That helps to picture what the Scripture is saying. To roar, soar, speak, study, talk, utter. The idea of this word is that you're turning the truth over and over in your mind so you can get a better grasp on that truth. In many religions, the aim of meditation is to clear your mind. To get out all the clutter that's in your mind. In, in In Christianity, and meditation in the Bible, it's not empty. It's, it's focused attention on the Scripture to better understand and absorb it into your life. That's what it means to meditate. And what happens when you do this, it deepens your root system into the truth, and it gives a strength and stability that allows the fruit to grow that brings freedom and blessing and happiness. Truckloads of fruit if we do this. So, to stay on the solid path in life, we must give God's Word our full attention, our full affection, and our full attention. That's what it takes. Haste will rob us of this. Because we're going to figure it out. Actually, not of faith. It's not of faith. If you're trusting God, you're able to just soak it in and figure out... to move forward when you try to focus your attention on scripture to understand it you should expect to battle distraction if you do you're not a horrible person you're a normal person I battle distraction because the enemy supercharges that as well doesn't want us to focus on it I've given you some things in the program just to help you with digesting the Word of God and you can look over these later but uh, on the front side it says my appointment with God. If you take a paragraph every day and just try to soak it in of Scripture, if you're just starting out, um, we we can help you. Let us know on that connection card and we can help you deal with it. But under a what I try to do is I pray, I clear my mind, I give the day to God, I ask Him for help with whatever I'm dealing with. Then I read through the passage uh, one, two, three times. I'm trying to figure out what it's saying, and then I ask these questions. Very, very helpful for meditation. What's in this passage? What do I see here in this paragraph? Is there a sin that I need to confess? Is there something God's trying to say to me through that? Is there a promise that he's made? If you do this, I will respond this way. Is there something I need to claim there? Is there an attitude to change? Is there a command to obey, an example to follow? A prayer to pray back to God. Sometimes I'll take the passage and pray it back to God. And if I, I have prayer lists that I pray on a certain day, I'll, I'll pray for those people, those things as well. They're on my list that day. Is there an error to avoid or a truth? Is there a truth that I need to believe and just build on? Is there something to praise or thank God for? But this, this helps. Engaging the Bible, engaging the Scripture really helps you understand it. On the back... There are six ways to meditate on a verse. These are actually both from Rick Warren who provides a lot of help in this area in a, in a Bible study book that he wrote. Uh, but six ways to meditate meditate on a verse. Picture it. Pronounce it. Say it over Picture it. Visualize the scene in your mind. Just try to envision what's going on. Pronounce it. Say the verse aloud each time emphasizing a different word. Paraphrase it. Put it in your own words. Personalize it. Put yourself in the verse. Pray it, probe it, analyze it. You probe it, you can ask those questions. The space bets questions. But anyway, there's some help you can take. Practice that this week. Practice meditating on a passage this week to try to understand, to get a grasp on it, how it applies to your life. God wants us to engage the Word. There's nothing magic about reading it or hearing it, but when you engage it, He he begins to work in you and plant the seeds in you that are going to really help you grow. The goal is to understand it so we can do it. Jesus said the same thing, carried the same idea in a parable he told, a story that he told in Matthew 13. He tells this story about the importance of grasping the meaning of Scripture, and the farmer sows the seed in this story. farmer sows the seed, it lands on different kinds of soil, different places. Uh, some of it fell on a path. It was a hard path. It had been walked on uh, a great deal, and the birds came and snatched it and ate the seed that was on that path. Some fell on rocky places where there wasn't much soil, so since there was just a, a thin layer of soil, it grew a little bit, but didn't have any roots, and it withered when the sun came up. Another bunch of seed fell on among the thorns, and it started growing, but then the thorns grew up, and The weeds grew up and choked out the growth of that plant. But still other seed landed on the good soil and produced a major crop. This is what happens when you apply Psalm 1 in your life. God is using His Word to develop this good soil. His disciples, I appreciate them, they asked Him what in the world that meant. What did that story mean? His disciples asked Him, And he says, here here are the things that prevent the growth of the, the word of God, the truth of God in the lives of people. The seed that fell on the path and didn't grow, it represents someone who hears the word but doesn't understand it, and the enemy comes along and snatches it. The birds were the enemy, represented the enemy. The seed on the rocky places that grew and then withered represents someone who faces trouble or persecution because of the word, and then they bail." They're done. That's it. I That's not what I signed on for right there. Tough times. The seed among the thorns that was choked out by them represents a person who gets distracted by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And then Jesus says, this is the good soil. Matthew 13, 23, as for what was sown on the good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. Here's some good soil. Somebody's sowing some seeds and some good soil. Look at that rich soil. As a, as a faux farmer, I appreciate that soil. I've tried to plant some trees, trying to grow some trees. Avocados are giving me a really rough time. I'm struggling with my avocado trees. But I appreciate that soil, it's been cultivated, it's been taken care of, it's been turned over and over and over and over again, you can see how rich it is. The right things have been added to it. That's a picture of what happens when we let God's Word work in our lives. It's meditation that helps our hearts and minds become that kind of soil for God's truth to grow in. Psalm 1 says, the one who delights and meditates, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. He moves forward in the right direction toward the right goals. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The benefits of meditating, getting the word into your life. You're like a tree planted, unlike the grass that gets mowed down. The tree sends its roots deep into the soil and it has this deep strength to it that allows it to keep growing larger and larger and bearing fruit. That, that's a blessing. There are streams of water. It's planted by the streams of water. What, what God does is He uses the truth of His Word to refresh us by the power of His Holy Spirit. You experience this as you walk with Him. And then He, he bears fruit. The tree bears fruit. This person bears fruit. You know, a tree doesn't eat its own fruit. That's for everybody else. You're a blessing to the people around you. In season, it bears fruit. Over time, the fruit shows up just when it's needed. Just at the right time. He's prosperous in every arena of life. The wicked are not so. The people who don't factor God into their life, they're not so. Unlike the tree with roots deep, they are blown away by the wind. What's chaff? Here's a picture of chaff. The seed coverings and other kinds of debris that are separated from the seed and the threshing grain. That's what it is. If you eat oatmeal, it's that, it's that little transparent hole that you bite into and you can't really chew very well. It's, and Then you pull it out and you go, oh, okay. I don't know. I'm sorry. But that's, that's what it is. That's chaff. It's light, it's transparent, it blows easily in the, in the uh, wind. This stuff gets blown all over the place by the wind. In our lives, that's what happens. If we don't have our roots deep into truth, that makes sense. It's tested, proven. If we build on a foundation of ideas and principles, then we're going to get blown like that all over the place. And we're not strong. You, you can trust the Bible to show you the path to the best kind of life. The key is to soak it in so that it changes the way you think and then changes the way you live because it turns right into those principles, those ideas we buy into, it turns right into words and actions that we do. As the band comes up, I want to wrap up the message this morning. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to think through your next steps down the path. Uh, As God's spoken to you, if you would, please pull out your connection card. Uh, It's in your program that we talked about earlier. In a moment, we're going to receive the offering. You can finish completing that connection card out and drop it in the offering later. That'd be great. But here are some suggestions. You may have some other things that you want to focus on. But here are my suggestions for next steps. Circle one. I need to either focus this week on rejecting faulty ideas and principles, or digesting, deliberately digesting the truth, and letting and getting getting the nourishment out of it that God wants me to get. Which one of those do you need to focus on? Um, and then another step would be just to practice meditating on Scripture. Practice it. Take that sheet I gave you in the program and get a paragraph of Scripture, and just practice all of that. Because there is high dividend. There's a bunch of fruit. There's a truckload of fruit that that grows up out of that practice. Making a habit of hiding the Word of God in your heart and meditating on it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the truth that we see in Your Word and how it really does set us free from the habits, the thinking, the things that enslave us, God. We We thank You for the freedom that You give through Your Word, the refreshment, the help, the freedom. God, I pray that as You've laid things on our hearts this morning that we'd uh, take the steps of obedience that You've laid before us, that You'd give us the power to do that and the help we need to do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.